Have you ever wanted something? You gotta help sing along with this one in case I forget the words. Have you ever wanted something so badly that it possessed your body and your soul through the night and through the day? Until you finally get it, and then you realize that it wasn't what you wanted after all. And then those self-same, sickly little thoughts now go and attach themselves to somebody or something, and the whole goddamn thing starts over. Welcome, everyone. This is another episode of That Record Got Me. Hi, I'm your host, Rob Elba. It's great having you all here, and it's great having my guest on because uh, the guest I'm talking to now, we were supposed to record this a couple of days ago, but she happens to live in central Florida, right, Marsha? Yes, I do. And we just had a little hurricane called Ian. Hurricane Ian swept through, and I and I messaged her the, that day, which I guess that's cool that you were at least able to answer me through a uh, phone. <laughs> I think you said your your work phone was still working, right? Yes. Yeah, but no, no power. She was without power, without internet for a couple of days, but I'm um, happy to hear. So that's back. So far, so good. So far, so good. Oh, and I should actually properly introduce you. This is my guest uh, <laughs> uh, patron and now guest of the show. Let's welcome to the show, Marsha Potts from Central Florida. Welcome, Marsha. Thank you, Rob. So you, so everything's all right, though? Just uh, did you have any, like, damage where you are? Or? There was no damage in that the large trees that fell near my home Thankfully, did not fall in an easterly direction, or we would probably not be having a conversation right oh, now. Oh, okay, did. I know. So, yeah, it, it, it all depends yeah. on where those trees fall, right? Oh, okay. Exactly. But otherwise, everything is good. My house is dry. There's no flooding. I, I have nothing to complain about. Good, good. Yeah, because some. Oh my God, the uh, uh, some of the areas in uh, what's it, um, Sanibel and uh, Southwest Florida. Some places got hit like really bad oh horrible i saw the pictures yeah and you know without having power and internet being down and my cell service even being spotty even though i was trying to convince you i could still do this i had no idea actually what was really going on in all of those other spots so i've just kind of been filling myself in on that within the last day yeah yeah it's uh man it's really it is really bad for a lot of people so uh let's go out to them and it's terrible. That's that when you live in Florida, Marsha, that's just part of it all though, right? It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. This isn't my first hurricane, not my first rodeo. Right. Yeah, I know. All I mean, those kind of cliches. I know. And then I'm I mean, I live very I live I feel like I live inland, like far inland, so honestly, I don't even I barely pay attention now when they say this hurricane. <laughs> I hardly pay attention, but I, I feel a little guilty about that. But you know, one of these days <laughs> Are you west of ninety five then? Uh yes. West of okay, yeah, right. that that's the cutoff point for you folks in South Florida, right? Right, yeah, I guess so. In a way, you're right, you're right. And I'm, yeah, and I'm really far south, so I don't know. It seems like we've been pretty lucky for a while, so but who knows? You'll see. 
Uh, all right, but we're not here to talk about that, right? Marsha, we're not here no, to talk about natural disasters. Uh, what is the record that you brought that we're going to talk about? We are talking about The Does Dusk. Yes, The Does Dusk. And I'm going to be totally honest with you, Marsha. I'm a fan of The Does, and I'm a fan of Matt Johnson. But initially, when you picked it, I said, you know, hmm, because I'm thinking, uh, I would have probably picked, like, Soul Mining or uh-huh. Mind Bomb or something <laughs> else. And yeah, it was, yeah, the ones I knew more. But then it was funny. I was talking to my friend uh, Eric, uh, Eric who lives in Seattle, and he, I, I knew he was a big the that band. And he said, "Oh, he said, oh, well, does say perfect album though." That's what he said. It is. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, and for then, your, thank you so much for saying that because I prefer. A thousand percent. Right. He, he just said, like, matter of fact, like, oh, well, that's a, a perfect album. And then lo and behold, yeah, I dug into it and listened to it. And oh, my God. Okay. He's right. It, it's a goddamn perfect <laughs> album. Um, all yeah, right. So, it's, yeah, it's yeah. so good. And I just feel like it is very underrated in their catalog. Everybody wants to talk about soul mining and how great that is. I've got you under my skin where the rain can get in. But if the sweat pours out, just shout. I try to swim and pull you out. A certain smile on the piano solo, which of course is fantastic. It's right. It's, yeah, of course it is. It's great. This band, anyways. But I'm always reaching for dust above uh, anything else. Okay, so dust came out. It was recorded in 1992 and released by. Sony Records in nineteen ninety in January nineteen ninety three. So, Marsha, were you a fan of the the and Matt Johnson before Dusk? Yes and no. You know, I was in you know ninety three. You know, in the sort of still beginning stages of my musical geekdom. So I would you know hear songs on the radio and just immediately start looking for you know UCDs and used cassettes. So. Going back to Uncertain Smile, I heard that on the radio, and I was like, this is incredible. I don't know why I've never heard this song before. I got that used cassette. Not long after that, I got a CD player. I immediately replaced the used cassette with a CD. Then I moved on to Infected, and I didn't like Infected as much as I like Soul Mining. To me, Infected was a little bit hit or miss. In researching... For this podcast, I've listened to it a couple times, and I was wrong to have thought that back then. That's <laughs> a really good album. It is really good. Yeah, all, I mean, really, he doesn't. I don't think the has put out a a, a bad record, uh, right? No, Mm-mm. I, I I did not like the Hank Williams one when it came out, but I even listened to that, and I was really wrong about that because <laughs> that is a really fantastic record, and I don't know why I didn't recognize that one when that came out. Because that was where I cut them off. Was oh, that okay. Hank Williams record, and right, I shouldn't right. have done. That. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> all right. So the the I guess I, I didn't realize in like doing my homework. I did. I think I'm like you. Uncertain Smile is probably the first thing I heard by. Uh, the, the, and then, yeah, right. I, I really, uh, I just, just sound, there's something about Matt Johnson's voice, obviously, the, the thing that grabs you, he's got this, like, sleek, sultry, like, voice, right? And uh, and mm-hmm. plus his songs, he's just a great songwriter. So we should say, they, uh, they're the active since 1979, but 
this uh, singer songwriter Matt Johnson is basically the, the the because he's the only constant over the years. He's had different players, different bands. He's the constant member. Yeah, I believe the first two albums that he did, he was the only player for everything. Right, right, right. And there was a, and, a drum machine uh, he used, but it's just uh, yeah, it just it begins and ends with his great songwriting and his great uh, delivery, just the way he delivers them and sings, right? Right, and then I found Dusk in a clearance bin, probably about a year after it was released, and I hadn't even realized that it was something that had been released. Oh, okay. And I was like, well, I really like soul mining and. You know, Infected was okay, so I'm going to pick this one up because it had a hype sticker on it that I recall saying you know, 10 songs for The Lustful, The Lonely, you know, playing on Dogs of Lust, and then it went on, you know, The Listless, The Lascivious, the da 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 right, And right, it's like, right. okay, sold. Yeah. I'm taking this one. <laughs> <laughs> because the artwork doesn't really give it away as to... Yeah. What it contains. Right. You know? Yeah, that's true. I, I agree. I definitely agree. And then you realize it is a dark city in the background. So it does kind of give away some of those elements. But at first you're like, what is what is this about? And I played it. So I probably picked it up in 94, maybe a year after it was released. Right. And I liked it. I listened to, it, you know, five or six times, set it aside because I had you know, accumulated other CDs that I wanted to listen to and then revisited again back in my late 20s because at that point in time, I was hating everything that was on the radio. Um, I listened to alternative radio. We had a really great alternative radio station back in Detroit, which is where I grew up, um, 89X out of Windsor that just introduced me to so much great music when they first started, but towards the late 90s, they were playing, you know, Nookie by Lip Biscuit and, you know, Blink-182 and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like aging out of the alternative popular stuff. Like, this isn't for me anymore. So I had got a new car. It had a fancy CD player in the trunk, you know, the six CD changers. Oh, right. Yes, I remember that. for whatever reason, Dusk was one of the ones that I pulled out to put into that CD changer. And I remember listening to it again for the first time in, you know, six, seven years and just being totally blown away as to why I didn't continue to listen to it when I had first picked it up. Because it just was so good yeah right maybe you weren't ready for it then you know quite ready to accept it you know I, I do feel like we mature into our into what we like and what we listen to and also I remember those six uh, CD player uh, changers I I don't think I ever had one but I know sometimes you'd whatever you'd put in there you'd get committed you'd listen to them a lot because it was kind of a, a pain in the ass to get it and, and switch it <laughs> yeah, out you'd right? have to pull over to change it all yeah yeah <laughs> so you get so thank God if you get like good good discs in there you end up really digging into them listen because this definitely this is a uh, a CD is well, whatever record CD that rewards. The more you listen to it, it's just it rewards you more and more, right? Of just how great it is. I mean, I have listened to this at least once a month since 1998, and I'm still picking up things every <laughs> right? time I listen to it. Yep. But you're right about you know sometimes you have to age into things because when I picked this back up, I was now in my late 20s, so a lot of these themes in the CD hit me a lot harder 
where I was at that point in my life as opposed to in my early 20s. You know, I'd been knocked around career-wise and, you know, had some you know relationships that didn't go well. And the CD is all about, you know, hard knocks and yeah. <laughs> darkness and things like that, which wasn't things that I had experienced when I was, you know, 21, 22, when I first picked this up. Oh yeah. Right. I would say, yeah, this is a very grown up, like whatever he's singing a lot about relationships, but in the, from a very mature, you know, jaded, cynical grown up point of view about everything. Uh, definitely no pie in the sky, lovey dovey stuff going on here. Right. Uh, even exactly. though, yeah, even though he does sort of, you could, in, in a way, some songs he sort of, uh, you know, acts like he's pining for, you know, looking for true love, looking for it, but also he's so cynical about it all at this point, you know, that it just can't. Yeah, help I kind of dark. feel that, you know, in this album, like we have one protagonist who's just very self-destructive. Yes, yes, and he he's he kind of recognizes that. But right. he is hopeless to do anything about it. Right. Self-aware, totally self-aware about all his flaws, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that is. And that's just there's something very compelling about that. Right. Especially when you're of a certain age and you've already uh, you've been through a lot of maybe the stuff he's singing about, but maybe you can't put it, you know, in quite the same way he can, the poetic way uh, that he does. And we should mention he's got a kind of a ringer in a guitar player on this one, which I didn't, I guess I didn't realize, like, like I said, this album totally went off my radar of him, which I said this before, even bands that I've liked and I've, I, I love a couple of their albums and then I just sort of give, I give up on them, but no, nothing to do with them. Right. It just, you move on yeah, to other exactly. things. Yeah. And you didn't even know that this was out, but uh, Johnny Marr is, uh, is on, uh, is on this one, his guitar player on this one. And you really, once you know that, you just hear, uh, you hear his stamp on a lot of these songs and just his great, because he's so good. Uh, the guitars that he does on, uh, that he adds to it. And harmonica too, because I guess from what I'm reading, he's, Johnny Marr's the one playing harmonica, and harmonica's all over this record, right? It is. And so Matt Johnson had released a live album late last year called The Comeback. And it's it's good, but there's no harmonica. And when you listen to the comeback, you realize how much the harmonica is such a big part of this album. Oh, and I had huge. no idea how good of a harm, you know, Mel's heart player Johnny Marr was. He's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the harmonica is almost as important as his guitar in the CD. Oh, if yeah. not more, actually. I totally agree. One hundred percent agree. Yeah, that's the thing that just grabs you on some of these songs, and it's like, and and it's so. I remember he because he's used it before, uh, Matt Johnson on earlier stuff, and it always was a good uh, a juxtaposition between you know some of these more electronic sounding things, electric drum, and then you got this harmonica, you know, a very organic old timey instrument coming in, and uh, yeah, it, it just works on so many levels on these songs, right? Yeah, this is, you know, definitely more of a bluesy and soulful album right. than anything he had done previous to this. Yeah, and 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 that's why I think maybe maybe I I wouldn't have appreciated this album so much when I was younger as I do now. You know, maybe that's yeah. just yeah, because I just really yeah, like I said, I just was like blown away once again. And uh, yeah, and you and Eric were right; it's a perfect record, and uh, let's let's start diving into it. Also, yes. <laughs> also, it's perfect because it 
doesn't do the thing like I've I've been complaining lately because we've been doing a lot of uh, albums that came out in the 90s when CDs first came out. And I always say, oh, they put so oh, many yes, songs on it. Rob, for sure. It, it is a quick 41 minutes. That's and perfect. I, yeah, 10 songs. <laughs> what more do you yes. need? <laughs> yes, there is no filler on this. I don't want to use the overused expression, you know, all killer, no filler, but it's definitely no, true it fits. in yeah, this instance. 100%. Because there are so many CDs I go to revisit from the 90s and I can't get through them because I'm able to pick up on like, what is the stuff that if it had been released 10 years it earlier, wouldn't have been, it would have been on, left yeah. on the oh, front floor. Skip. Yeah. Oh, you skip that one. You skip this one. But yeah. yeah. You don't see, you're not skipping any, anything on this record. No, uh-uh, not at all. And that's what I love about this record too, is the sequencing of this is perfect. There's nothing on this. I want to change. Right. Sequence wise. And you know, this isn't an album to me. This isn't an album of singles. When I'm listening to this, it's from start to finish. And I don't want to hear any of these songs just by themselves. It's got to be, the whole entire piece of art yep. that I have to have. Yep, exactly. Yeah, we just did recently, we did Ocean Rain by Echo and the Bunnymen. And it was the same thing I said about that record. It's like, when I put it on, I'm going to listen to the whole goddamn mm-hmm. record in one sitting. <laughs> yes. Yep. All right. So let's uh, let's start out. It starts with this uh, staticky, kind of a kind of a trick, especially I'm, I'm sure if someone had a vinyl of it, because it sounds like an old yeah, record that's player. The one thing, <laughs> that's the one thing I can complain about is, is that was such a trope in yes. the early nineties was to put the fake vinyl record sounds yeah. on your CDs. Right. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Right. Yeah. But it is, you know, it, it kind of works with the song because then he's got like this spoken intro and it's almost like a, like a preacher or an entertainer or something, you know, Yeah, it's about. very kind of cabaret. Yes. Right. Style. Right. Very cabaret. Uh, but it's great. Let's listen to the opening track. True happiness. This way lies. something so badly that it possessed your body and your souls through the night and through the day until you finally get it and then you realize that it wasn't what you wanted after all and then those self-same sickly little thoughts now go and attach themselves to something or somebody new and the whole Stats all over again. Well, I've been crushing the symptoms, but I can't locate the cause. Could God really be so cruel to give us feelings that could never be fulfilled? Yeah, so it just starts out right away. I mean, it's just basically him on his acoustic, and it's all so, like, intimately in your face you know his vocals are a little over there they just mm-hmm. come on so strong and the guitar is a little overdriven. just that acoustic guitar and it all sounds very i don't know what's the word cabaret was very good that you said because that's what it is it's like a little cabaret thing and uh yeah yeah and then you know it starts off and and then it goes in that direction you wouldn't expect it because you think like a cabaret it's performing in front of a crowd but this is definitely an album that 
to me, you listen to singularly. It's it's not something you put on at a dinner party. Oh, it's right. Not, yes, exactly. Know, it's yes. something for your earbuds for yourself, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it's sort of, and it's a very, it's a good opening because it kind of lays it out. He's talking about, you know, which uh, uh, it's also something he does. It's like, um, you know, something that uh, you wanted something so badly, it possessed your body and soul, and then until you finally get it, and then you realize it wasn't you what you wanted want after, it after all. all. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then the same self-sickly little thoughts start themselves all over again. Yeah, exactly. That's why I say like, this is a self-destructive person. He's, he's recognizing all of that. And then further in the song, you know, he goes on to say, I've never found peace in the bottom of a glass, never found peace, you know, with the religions of the world. So Again, he's recognizing all of these things, but he he doesn't really know how to help himself. Right, right, and then and then finally, I love it. It uh, which he which he does on on throughout the record. Some of the songs aren't necessarily traditionally laid out because he saves the chorus, like the payoff chorus is just once, right at the end of the song, uh, is the chorus. Sometimes it seems the more I ask for, the less I receive. The only true freedom is freedom from the heart's desires. And yes, the, and the only true happiness this way lies. But it's like it's it's funny. He, I mean, he he realizes that it's a, the only true freedom is freedom from the heart's desires. But he realizes that's the one thing he can't get away from. Yeah, because escape, he's right? gonna keep he's gonna keep chasing. Exactly. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> uh, and then you know, because he also says in the song, you know, how he's you know, because when you put your arms around me, I'll be looking over your shoulder for someone new. Right. Yeah. You know, like, exactly. <laughs> What an asshole, Like, he right? knows, like, <laughs> true happiness this way lies. Like, he's never going to find it. He, right. He exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So the second song, Love is Stronger Than Death. I I mean, did you read it? Like, I had no idea what it was about until I read about it, but it's kind of touching what it is about, right? Yeah. I had actually read Johnny Marr's autobiography a couple of years back. And before that, I didn't know the story behind the song which brought it to a whole different level because before I thought it was you know because it's it's kind of a sultry song yes and then you realize oh wait this isn't about true love this is love for a family member who's passed away he wrote it for his brother who had passed away while they were making mind bomb because Johnny Marr does indicate in his book that at the beginning when Matt Johnson is singing, me and my friend were walking, that Johnny Marr's friend. Oh, okay. And they were walking along the river, I think, the morning that they had found out that his brother had passed away. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, because it's really, when once you kind of know that, it's really like a moving song about su- surviving loss and about accepting death, you know, as a part of life. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's awesome. All right, let's listen to a little bit of Love is Stronger Than Death.
Wow, so that's great. So when he's talk, saying me and my friend were walking, that's him and Johnny Ma are walking. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And this is a song where the harmonica, you totally, it, it, it just, it makes the song. Oh, yeah, I'm going to bring it in underneath here. I'm going to bring in the harmonica part when it comes in. Yeah, yeah, because that's what it is. Yeah. Like you said, a lot of these songs, that's what's good. That's the thing where normally you'd be like a oh some great guitar solo. It's no, it's the harmonica comes in. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And I, you know, in... Johnny Moore's book, he did say too, you know, when he did that, he did it in one take and he did it with tears streaming down his face. Wow. Yeah. And it's like you you can picture that once you know that. Like, yes, because it is so very emotional. It is. And and it's really that sounds kind of an outlier on the record in a way, because what we got the next one, Dogs of Lust, and now we're right back in the <laughs> And the desire and the wanting and the, yeah. the, the restlessness and the searching. Yeah. And once again, with the arm, this, this song is the awesome. Harmonica. Well, because the the actual chorus of the song is just the harmonica. It's not even words. Mm-hmm. It's the harmonica makes the chorus of the song. Uh, exactly. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, let's listen to Dogs of Love. That's when you're lustful, when you're lonely, and the heat is rising slowly. And then he does yeah. he can't even say anything else. It's just the harmonica that that comes in, and that's <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, and it's pretty. You know, uh, Marsha, I don't like. I, you know what I hate? Like, I don't like the word sexy, and I especially don't think a guy should say oh. something sexy. But <laughs> right? Thank just, you for saying that. It's that's icky. why I was like, it's it's there's just something. I don't. It's it reminds me of like. White polyester suits, gold chains, yeah, chest no, hair—like it's. Yeah. <laughs> but it's blue. But this is like bluesy, and it's obviously you know heated and sexual. But yeah, I, I just I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> I'm good. I'm glad you agree. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, this next one, uh, we got uh, piano. Some really nice piano opening. This next song and uh, another really pretty song. We'll talk about it. This is. This is the night. I 
I just love that part when he's just like, he's just like paints this picture. It's like how many whores have walked through that door and lain by me. He acts like it's like not like he's not part of it. And then he says, you know, makes me reach out and weep exactly. for, for the days when I was pure at heart and slept in peace. You know, well, you, you could have slept exactly. in peace if you weren't letting all those whores in your door, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, normally if I hear somebody refer to a woman as a whore in a song, I'm, you know, generally pretty outraged yeah, about it. Yeah, right. But exactly. In this context, I'm not because it's part of this character. He doesn't see women as, you know, something of value. No, so no. I think yeah. if to, it, it's to say right. how many girls, it wouldn't have that same kind of impact. You wouldn't realize that this is nature you right know? it's a persona yeah. and it's someone who feels but it's so funny because he's putting on like he's defiled by this wicked world that he's a part of you know but he's like exactly. acting like he's defiled by it. yeah you're right so it, it wouldn't nothing else would fit <laughs> that's what fits on it yeah yeah and, and eventually the piano i'll play a little bit under because a lot of these songs have really great outro parts to it uh, the piano gives way to a uh, guitarist, and I, I, it could be him and Johnny Marks. I know he's a he's a really great guitar player too, obviously. Um, but they're just perfect. They're just so great. So it's I've got the liner notes in front of me, and Johnny Marr is on the electric guitar. Okay. And uh, Matt Johnson is just vocals on this one. Oh, okay, nice. You know, uh, Marcia, one thing. You know what's a, a, a fun uh, mind experiment to do and a thought experiment for listening to this album? Try and imagine Morrissey singing some of these songs instead of Matt Oh, Johnson. I've done that a thousand times. <laughs> oh my, it just, it wouldn't work. No! <laughs> <laughs> Not because at all. He's, I mean, Morrissey is, you know, like for sure our protagonist in this CD is self-involved, but totally self-involved. In a way that a completely different way. is not. <laughs> yeah, you know, a completely different way. more whiny, whereas this guy is more self-reflective. <laughs> oh, right. Self-reflective and totally in, like, in your face, like, uh, full of himself in a way that it's almost, like, scary, you know? Like, Marcy, you're never scared of Marcy, you know? <laughs> no, uh-uh. And, you know, this, now that you say that, like, you know, kind of scary, you know, when I rediscovered this in my late 20s the way that you described like that's every guy i met in a bar 
Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, if I was, I mean, I'm a dad. I have daughters. I would not. I, I don't know how Matt Johnson is, how much he is part of this, but I wouldn't want them to date Matt Johnson. No, not, not at all. <laughs> That's a hard no. All right. So now we got uh, more great harmonica setting the mood uh, against this uh, this next one. And I guess this one, I think it's sometimes like the more clarity like you gain, uh, the more more you realize you don't know anything, you know, like sometimes we feel like the wiser you get, then you realize, oh, I don't know anything. Yeah, this. Yeah, I I, I can't even add anything to that. because you're absolutely <laughs> All right, right. Well, let's listen to it. We can discuss more <laughs> slow emotion replay. said is absolutely right because even though this is kind of an upsounding song this is not a record you would play with a bunch of people in a party this you could listen to this record just you and matt right (laughs) (laughs) i mean i guess you could play it i i've never introduced this record to you know anybody else but i suppose i could sit with the artist and listen to it but well when i said I, you and Matt, when you and matt i meant uh, not in, uh, not uh, literally <laughs> metaphorically right um but i recall a couple of years back i was watching this tv show on amazon prime uh catastrophe i think it was called and they were playing this album during the dinner party oh and i just really? kept thinking that is the weirdest thing i have ever right heard of being played at a dinner party well what's the name of the show what was the name of the show catastrophe (laughs) but there you go (laughs) you know they were with their friends and stuff and of course it was kind of a tense scene but again to me this album is just so singular so that's why we're just gonna discuss it with all of your listening (laughs) well yeah no but that's fine we could do that because we're all at least we're not all together in a room together (laughs) no i'm just saying right and then you know this song i kind of feel that he's saying, of course I'm fucked up because the entire world's fucked up. So right. it's okay. Exactly. We're all fucked up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and then and then but then on the outro, he's got like a real a real honest outro when it says, Lord, I've been here so for so long, I can feel it coming down on me. I'm just a slow emotion replay of somebody I used to be. I mean, uh that that right there is very uh, you know, it, it sounds like something honest that someone like that would say if they really had a moment of realization, self-realization, you know? Yeah, yeah, they had some clarity. 
Yeah, right, right. But still, it's you know, not going to happen. It's kind of almost see. like they've had a breakthrough in parenting. Like right. That, yeah. that one right. session where they're like, oh, now I'm going to start journaling because I get it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, that's great. Uh, so now, uh, this helpline operator, he, he writes a lot about uh, like relationships where like people um, where people can't really know each other, you know? Uh, and this is, it, it's interesting in this song. It's like you're sort of writing about a relationship and realizing that you don't really know anything about the other person. And then he mentions the intimate stranger, you know? Yes. And, you know, I have done quite a bit of travel for work in the past. And I can't tell you how many times I'd be, you know, having dinner at a bar next to the hotel and, you know, this person that you just met five minutes ago is telling you things about their life that you wouldn't ever tell anybody. Right, else. right. The, but it's perfectly stranger. okay because you're never going to see this person again in two hours. Yes. <laughs> well, I hope not. All right, let's listen to <laughs> yeah, help, yeah. helpline operator. I'm saying, you know, after the salad and the dessert course yeah. is finished, of course, exactly. I don't mean anything else. Oh, okay. <laughs> again, like I said, it's just, you know, in, like I said, I, I've done a lot of traveling and I remember sitting in, you know, this, this bar restaurant next to a hotel I was at, and this gentleman was sitting next to me and he was young, probably 24. And he just starts telling me about how he broke up with his fiance and he wants to get back together with oh, her and all of this. And, like it, and he's crying. Oh, Jesus. But Christ. I'm totally a safe person for, for him to tell me that because he's never going to see me again. Yeah. Like right, all right. these feelings that he has about his ex fiance, who he now wants back that wants nothing to do with him. He right. can't do any of that. He can't make himself vulnerable. Right. To her. But he can to somebody, you to know, stranger. from Florida that he's never going to see again. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and I feel like, yeah, definitely he's got, like I said, he's got a cynicism, obviously, about about love and relationships, but it's poetic. It's a very, like, poetic cynicism. And he says there's a bridge right before the chorus where he says uh, everybody's looking for someone to tell them what they want to hear. Everybody's looking for true love to help them feel what they cannot feel. 
And I feel like that's, you know, that's again him being like, you know, just honest, like saying, well, yeah, because, you know, he keeps talking about looking for true love. I want true love, you know, because so they could feel what they really can't feel because they're chasing all this other shit. Right. But I also feel like when I fell back in love with this album in my late 20s, you know, I had a lot of things going on in my life that weren't working out well, like career and you know housing and all of that but I turned all of that attention towards other people and I think that's you know something that you do in your life is like oh if I could just find the right person everything else would be perfect oh right yeah. and that is never the case no 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 it never works I <laughs> so know. you know I feel like this this character again you know they're taking all of that restless energy from all the different aspects in their life and are attaching it to finding this perfect person relationship, which is just a figment of their imagination there because nobody's ever going to measure up to what the idealized version in their right. mind is. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and then we get this next one, more, more confusion about like true love. I think uh, let's listen to sodium light baby. <laughs> one with the guitars and the organ it's got a very 70s soul feel to it right yeah it's got like that waka 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 yeah yeah 70 going to it yeah. yeah and and you know this song made me think you know you know someone i feel a, a kinship of him too in, in a lot of what he does which may not be apparent right away is prince because Prince also someone that could do it. Because, you know, Matt Johnson, he could play all this stuff himself. He could. I mean, I think wisely on this one, yes. he gets a lot of great players to play on it, which Prince did the same thing, too. Um, but just, yeah, I see similarities in them, the way they're sort of preoccupied with, like, sex and, you know, and that. And they have this very sensual, in-your-face type of delivery a lot of times. You know, it's so strange that you bring that up because... I just had a conversation on Facebook with somebody about Prince and they were indicating that Prince wasn't a good songwriter and what? I was arguing that they they were a good songwriter and then it basically came down to the fact that you know I'm American and that person wasn't so of course I love Prince. Um yeah. oh, <laughs> But you're right. It's very true because Prince could write a song that you know, it had a lot of sexual themes, but then he could also write a song that had social commentary, right? Which was just like Matt Johnson, yeah. Right, you know, right. 
Because if you if you go on the, the the website, he's got really really good merchandising on there, oh, and really? <laughs> one <laughs> and one of the things that he sells is postcards with his song lyrics on it, and he's got one set of postcards called Love and Sex, and another set of postcards called Politics and War. So, oh okay, you know that's why I say like he. You're right. It is a lot like Prince. Um, I think maybe the difference is that Prince was probably just more in your face about it because he didn't shy away from media attention like right. Matt Johnson. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Matt Johnson is definitely, yeah, more of a, uh, yeah, because you really, you, you never, you know, I don't even know what the guy looked. I mean, I guess I do. I've seen a picture, but I don't know what he looks like now. I hear, I know my, my friend Eric that I was talking to, he said he saw them kind of recently and he said he was, you know, it was great. It was still amazing. But had a great band and just put on a great show. Yeah, he um, I found a bunch of interviews with him recently on YouTube when I was trying to do research for this. A lot of what they talked about, though, was soul mining. I could not find. Oh, right. Yeah. Anything, you know, with respect to this album. But I mean, he he looks great and he's. He's not a bad looking guy at all, but he is kind of very nondescript, bald headed white guy. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. And he's um, British, I would so probably, he's a pasty too, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, I, I'm pasty as well. So, <laughs> me, but, me too. Uh, me too. and I live in Florida. So, yep, what's same. My... <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, we know how it is. Floridians, uh, <laughs> we never go to the beach or anything. We never go out in the sun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's for the tourists. <laughs> To the beach in a year and a half. Exactly. That's for the tourists. <laughs> um, but I would be more likely to pick up on his speaking voice than I would if I were to look him in the face. Yes. Because exactly. when you do hear him in interviews, he his voice when he talks is the same as how he sings. There's, oh, yeah. there's no difference. And and he's one of these singers where you always know it's him, you know, when you when when he sings it. And then it's also where you feel like no one else could sing it. Like, I don't know. I don't think a lot of people cover too many of his songs because they're just so singular to him. You know, at least in, for me, they are. I don't think I've ever heard anybody cover any of his songs now that you mention it. I, know, I don't right? think I thought about that before, but you're right. I've never heard a cover of any one of his songs. Yep. Um, I did see an, an interview that Johnny Marr did with Matt Johnson. Johnny Marr was interviewing Matt Johnson for some sort of CD, DVD release thing in the early 2000s. Right. And Matt Johnson had said, you know, I stayed away from the spotlight. That's why I chose this name to, you know, I didn't want the focus on me. And if you notice like videos of him and pictures of things, like his half of his face is kind of always blurred out. Right. Right, right. You know, he he deliberately chooses not to be seen, which is, you know, weird to me. But I totally respect it in the same regard, because in all these interviews that I watched him, they all just keep asking him the same questions. So it's going to be annoying as hell. (laughs) It must be annoying. (laughs) And I'm sure he's a smart guy. And I'm sure it's soul crushing doing this stupid. (laughs) Yeah, especially (laughs) because they all want to talk about soul mining. I know. <laughs> Which he was 21 years old when he did that album, if you can oh believe that. Uh, yeah, I know. I, it always makes me mad and feel uh, inadequate yeah. when I when I hear shit like that. It's like you know. But, but I, I can't do? imagine being in my late 50s and still talking about something that I did creatively more than 30 years I know, ago right, and trying yeah. to bring any kind of excitement to it's it. True, yeah. But he he seems like a very nice, gracious 
person. Like he he's he's not a he's not a jerk at not a monster at all okay, in these good. interviews. That's good to hear. No. I'm glad to hear that. I, I had a feeling that. Um, <laughs> all right. So this next one, Lung Shadow, is really interesting. I'm gonna actually play two parts because it's got it starts out with like over two minutes of this really lush, moody intro uh, before you finally get the payoff outro. It's like I thought it was just an instrumental at first, but uh, let's listen to it a little bit first to the beginning of Lung Shadows. guitars and then and then like i said i thought it was an instrumental and then you get this outro uh where it's just, yeah yeah it's just I, I closed my eyes you were with me i could feel your breath upon my body come closer to me listen to a little bit of So Marsha, why do you think, what do you think of the title? Why do you think this song is called Lung Shadows? Because a, sh- well, uh, just going by the definition, a shadow, a, a shadow on the lung could be a sign of something serious or it could be nothing, uh, you know. And have yeah, because no I guess you're right. If you do do a chest x-ray and there's shadows, it's some sort of cancer. So it's right? like, yeah. So it's got that looming thing on there. Like it could be something serious or it could be nothing, you know? I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> who knows but uh it's great i just really i don't know it's just like i said it's a very hypnotic uh thing and uh it's great yeah and i i'm not the biggest fan of um ambient music but oh okay that's the right amount like (laughs) i hear you you don't want it to go on for uh, 10 minutes no like i I respect brian eno a ton and i love the work he has done with other artists 
But, you know, to sit and listen to music for airports, it drives me absolutely insane because then my mind is wandering in a million directions. Like I, I listen to lyrics to help me focus. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. I, you know, yeah. I um, so like this little, you know, interlude with the the sirens in the background, like that's the perfect amount to, to maintain my interest. Oh, okay, good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good. It's good to know. So this next one, Bluer Than Mid- Midnight, I feel like this is his attempt to write like a classic like piano soul song, like a standard. This to me sounds like it could be a standard. And I think he's really successful at it because I think it's great. We could discuss it. Let's listen to a little bit. Of- oh, I love this song. Yeah, it's just so good. Let's listen to Bluer Than Midnight. I mean, you could just picture him in like some club, like some smoky club at the end of the night, just at a piano, just singing this to like to no one, you know, just singing it sort of to himself. For sure. And, you know, in this, it's kind of like he he also sings the lyric, which is, you know, is not a new thought to anybody. But he says, you know, my love never touches my heart like fear does. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like. Like he he can totally be vulnerable in this darkly lit candlelit room with, you know, a bunch of drunken people leaving money in his tip jar. Right. right, (laughs) As to to that. But it's not like he would ever admit that to anybody else. Kind of going back to, you know, the, the helpline operator. Right, right. And, and yeah, and also, once again, he's talking about, you know, where the the ghosts that haunt me won't leave my mind, you know, so it's like, no matter what, even though he's trying, uh, one sin leads to another one. So yeah, he's still, I mean, you know, again, I feel like the whole album, he's sort of fighting against his, his own instincts and maybe not wanting to be the person that he actually is, you know? Well, and, you know, hearkening back to Love is Stronger Than Death, you know, he had this experience with losing his brother. So he knows what it's like to lose somebody you love. So is he really capable of taking that chance again? Right. You know, the, the hurt can be worse than the payoff if it actually works out. 
Right, 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 right. Yeah, and it's like, it's funny, because I was thinking that that song could have been the last song on the record, and it would have worked as the last song, but I love that he's got Lonely Planet at the end, because I feel like that's kind of a little hopeful message at the end of his this yes, whole dark record, Yes, it's very record, much right? like a hippie song. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I mean, it's still him yeah. delivering it, so it's not totally over the top, but yeah, I feel for him, it's a total, like, just like hopeful thing at the end of a, of a dark record, right? So one of the reviews I read about the album when he did some remasters back in 2002, one of the reviewers had said, you know, this is an album where darkness and light are duking it out, but darkness is winning. But I feel like with this last song, it's like, no, no, the light has come out on top at the end. Nice. Yeah, I think so, too. All right, let's listen to a little bit of Lonely Planet. because you still don't know if he's really being sincere or not. But I kind of like to feel that he is, even though he's been so cynical, you know, the cynicism on the whole record. <laughs> and maybe at the end he's realizing, oh, maybe if you, if you do care about something or someone, you know, maybe that's the way forward. Right, right. Um, for sure. Because you can also imagine like, hey, you've had a couple too many glasses of wine. Right. You know what? I figured it. I figured it out. Exactly. I, I can't change the world, but I can change myself. And then the next morning you're like, what did I say? Yeah, right. <laughs> and then, but then it's great because he's, he's, brilliant because right at the end it's got this the music and it's got a really like kind of a hopeful vibe sounding but then he puts in this little stinger at the end because at the end he says if you can't change the world change yourself and if you can't change yourself then change your world which is great right that's brilliant because it's like he's still hedging his bets a little i feel like yeah, and it's got that great buildup at the end, which just makes you feel hopeful for it, which is, you know, I love an album that's got a strong finisher. Yeah. You know, there's nothing worse than listening to a great album, and then that last track is just terrible. Right, right. right. You know, this has, like, the perfect closing track, but it does leave you like, okay, so 9 out of 10, he's a miserable bastard, and on 10, he's now different yeah right people don't change that fast you you kind of realize that in your 30s like 
people don't change that quickly. <laughs> right. But you don't know. Maybe Matt Johnson can. You don't know. <laughs> uh, we're, just, been, we're just normal people. <laughs> yeah, he he has found success through better help. You know? Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, oh, man, it was great. So, yeah, like I said, at first he said, oh, I want to do that. Then he said that. And I'm like, really? Why do you want to do that? But, oh, man, it's such a great. <laughs> really? No, it's such a great. It's such a great record. And I'm so glad. And, uh, this is this is a top five album for me. This is my my favorite album of the 90s. Um, you know, I I I love OK Computer just like everybody else. And, right, you know, course. I love yeah. Jeff Buckley's Grace. But at the end of the day, this is the one that I go back to the most. Yeah. And I have a feeling a lot of people are going to be like me and, and say, oh, well, they 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 knew and loved his other stuff. But oh, I never really, you know, paid attention to that. And it's like, oh, my God, what a mind blower. Yeah, because if you listen to. Um, soul mining, which was ten years before this one, there, there's nothing similar about them at all, right? Except for you know his voice. His voice. You know, there's no yeah. synthesizers on this. This is more acoustical and, and that. But if you listen to Mind Bomb and you listen to the Beaten Generation, you can, it, there is a progression there that you can make sense of. Just like it sounded crazy at the time that he did this Hank Williams album, but when you realize he's got these gospel and solo elements and stuff like that, well, of course he would do a Hank Williams right, cover exactly, of the album. Exactly. Like, it doesn't sound that nuts nope. <laughs> anymore. <laughs> no, that's right. Um, all right, so this was great, Marsha. Um, I don't know, do you have anything you want to, uh, you say I asked for guests if they have anything they want to plug or promote but I, I don't know you i guess uh you don't have like i said you you survived hurricane ian so you don't have any uh, gofundme going or anything for yourself You're no fine. no i don't have a gofundme right. um but no and i have nothing to plug because i'm not a musician so i don't have anything for sale on Bandcamp. but become a patreon if this record got you high oh that's so, <laughs> that's so sweet of you that's great well you know if you want to take marcia's advice you could go to <laughs> patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and become a patron of the show like Marsh is. We have another. I'm going to announce the, uh, and we're going to do another patron episode soon. I'm going to announce it uh, soon. Actually, once we're done talking here, I'm going to ask your opinion, actually. But uh, don't oh, forget, okay. everyone, uh, you could follow me on Instagram and Facebook. It's at that record got me high. You can go to that Facebook group got me high. At Twitter, it's at TRGMH podcast. Uh, you can email me at trgmh33 at gmail.com. Uh, Marsha, be honest. Do you use do you do any social media at all, or do you pay attention to any of that stuff or not? I stay off of Twitter. I do take your advice. Good. Yeah, that's smart. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I am on some vinyl groups on Facebook. Oh, okay. And I, I do check your Facebook page every day because, Rob, you are the best me man in the business. Uh. Like, I... You that's crack me up on. every day with those memes. Good. That's why. That's why I keep you. Uh, <laughs> well, yes. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. All right. So thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Marsha. We'll see you all next week. I'm Rob Elba. We're out of here. The world's too-